Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Iwakim. And this is the second take. Because in the first take, I was going to tell a story. And then before telling the story, I said the phrase, check this out. It's like, ah, I can't. I can't live with myself. Like, what kind of cringe is that? It's like the most uninteresting type of cringe. We're not doing it. So speaking of my name being Joachim, I went to the bank today and <clears throat> I'm depositing a lot of money because, you know, you, homies got bags. Um, do it for the bags. And the fella next to me, uh, being helped by the teller next to my teller, he's like trying to deposit $40, which is a fascinating thing to try to do, right? Because I like in America, you are frequently just as you are making money and spending money and like existing in this world and like being part of this economy. I'm sure this is an experience everywhere, but I somehow I only associate this with America because like, I don't know, I was never thinking about money before moving to America. What I was going to say is in America, you frequently will be so surprised by how much money people have. And then it's like, just so fascinating to think about. Like, how did they make that much money? Like, what did you, like, what did your paycheck look like for you to do that? And then it's never like that. It's never a paycheck. It's only like, yeah, you just fucking get a loan in a smart way and you just have a regular paycheck, but you just kind of have a medium big paycheck and you, your dad gives you a little bit of money and you can you know, re fucking reverse mortgage your dad's house. And it's all these fucking made up words and stuff. And that's how you have a lot of money. But just as commonly as being surprised by how much money someone has that you're meeting, just as often I'm surprised by how little money people have. Like some people have fucking no money. And I really associate it with drugs and alcohol because like having no money at all is terrifying. And the only way to be able to live with the f in the in the fearful state of ab like abject poverty is to be a little bit wasted all the time. So I'm at the bank and the fella next to me he's trying to uh, deposit forty bucks so that he can do a thing. And then he was like, he wanted to like send some money somewhere, but he's like, nah, but don't send all of it. Like leave at least seven dollars in my account. It's like, what are you about to do? with your account that you need to have seven, like you're about to buy something on Amazon for 650? Like what, what, what's going on here, guy? Okay, none of that was the point. Poverty shaming the man was not the point. The point of the story was his name was Joachim. And here's the thing, that's not a fucking normal name. And the, everyone at the bank, everyone at Chase is, is Mexican. So, and they, they're like cool. They're cool, proud Mexicans that are constantly having much more fun in Spanish than we have in English. <laughs> Which is like, okay, good on you, you know? And and like <laughs> laughing up a storm in Spanish and then just switching to English just to roast all the white people, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's kind of, it might be my favorite type of Mexican, <laughs> you know? Some some raggedy fucking white lady walks up and she's like, how you doing? You, you doing good? You're probably not doing as good as me. And then he just starts roasting her in English and then he switches to Spanish to have even more fun. But so when a fella 
is trying to deposit money and he's showing his ID and the ID says Joachim, the guy is like, oh, Joaquim, habla espanol. And he tries to speak to him in Spanish, even though he's white as fuck. So it's a little bit of like a power move. Or it's a little bit of an actual question of being like, how the fuck do you have a Mexican name, but you're white as fuck? So he's like, yeah, yeah, my name is Joachim because my parents were hippies. And then he starts listing off the names of his seven, like they were real hippies. Hip, hippies. He's like, they met in the 60s in the, oh, what's it called? Ashbury, fucking Ashton Height. There's some crossing in San Francisco that everyone thinks it's so interesting to know that Ashton, Ash, Ashton Kutcher, Ashbury, Burberry, Burberry, Ashton Kutcher, height. Uh, regardless, he lists off the names. It's so I chime in and I'm like, guy, are you another white person? And your name is Joachim, like me? And he's like, yeah. And then we have almost the same spelling and we say it almost the same way. And then he goes, yeah, my parents were hippies. And he lists off the seven names of his siblings. And I wish that I had written them down because it was like, you know, tree stump, waterfall, Bhagavad Gita, star rain, uh, meteor shower, Gemini in passing. It was like just the most hippie shit you could imagine. And then they named him Joachim. And it took me out of myself for a moment. And I just realized, like, I don't know. I didn't, no, it was not a realization. It was just like a, I just lost control of my own context for a second and was like, I have no idea how people see me. Because that does happen sometimes. Sometimes people will ask me my name. Like when I was a server, people would sometimes ask me my name. And then I'd be like, this is my name. And then they'd be like, oh, your parents were hippies. And it's like, yeah, but they weren't though. It's just there are different contexts, and it's fine. Don't worry about it, you know? Anyway, that's something that happened that was not very interesting, I guess. So I guess we should review a sparkling water. This one is, it's from Good and Gather. It's from Target, raspberry hibiscus. Wonderful. That smells like some real raspberries involved. God, that's fresh. That's a nine out of 10. It's very like simple. It's just, hibiscus is really like hard to describe. And it's just like this simple, very specific floral thing. And it's just real good on stuff. Anyway, let's talk about something else. So I think I finished my audiobook. I haven't submitted it yet. And I need to just listen to it a bunch still to just make sure that none of the weird tech stuff I had to do to the voice created any weird results anywhere. I might have to re-record something, but here's something I found interesting about it. Here's something I've always wondered is maybe a way to start talking about this. I've always wondered like, if you're an, if you're an artist, if you're a singer and you've written a song and now you're performing the song to an audience and people love the song, are you still like, do you sometimes think about it like, wow, I wish I would have, I just thought of a better way to, are you still editing it in your head? In the, in the sense of like, whenever you make something creatively, you're looking at it critically and you're thinking, like if you're writing something and you 
you write a first draft, then you reread it. And as you reread it, you have these ideas for how to improve it. And that's like a very specific mindset. When you are a singer and you're singing a song on stage, do you also, are you in that mindset? Like, are you having ideas for how you could have improved it? And now it just, just so happens it's too late now because everyone loves this song now. So it's too late to change anything about it. So you're just going to go with it. Or is there some other mindset? Like, is there some other relationship that you can have to your own creative thing? This is, I feel fucking terrible talking about this because it feels like I'm saying that I am, look, I'm not successful in any way, you know? Like, and I'm not claiming to be successful in any way. I just happened to do this thing where I like, I wrote this entire book and I put a lot of myself into it and I spent a lot of time and effort on it. And then I, it, it's been a few years, like it's been two years or something. Like there was two years of, like after fucking years of editing and gen, I got to this point where it was like literally finished and I would like keep editing it, but I would literally change nothing. And then I was like, I guess that means it's done. And then there was pretty much three, I think it's been three years kind of since I finished it. And there was, that in itself is like depressing to me because I'm about to really sort of try to, I mean, promote it, which is embarrassing to say. But like, the po the point of what I was going to say is that I, I discovered the other mindset, the other perspective that you can have on something that you made. And I've never experienced it before, meaning that, I wrote a novel three years ago and then I picked it up now and I turned it into an audiobook, meaning that I reread it out loud into a microphone. And I was expecting myself to be like, and Natasha asked me this exact question. So I think it's a very natural question. She's like, as you're reading it, are you thinking like, oh, you should have done this differently? And the weird thing is, no, I'm not. I'm reading it as a reader. And as a reader, I'm like really enjoying it where I'm like, wow, this is like, there's so much stuff going on here. Like this is so packed with ideas and like there's so many, like it just keeps on coming, the clever little shit and like the cool ideas and the beautiful ideas and the funny stuff. Like there's so many things and there's so, there's like no filler. It's just like beautiful thing followed by poetic thing followed by <laughs> so so self-congratulatory, but I'm, I'm, I can be this self-congratulatory because I'm, I honestly feel like it's someone else who wrote the book because I, it's so, like it's long enough ago that it just feels like someone else. It feels like someone else's thing at this point. And it's not completely true that I read it as a reader because I'm not, a, I wrote it. But so what I read it as is this other thing where you do, where you, the artist dealing with their own finished art, you know? And it's like something I've never experienced before where it's like, I'm reading it and I'm literally not thinking of how to improve it because I'm like, yeah, these sentences are tight. Like this is tight. Like there's no filler here. Like all of these things, like there's a reason this sentence is like this. And I remember, if I think back, I can remember why this sentence is like this because there's like a reason and there's an idea that went into it. 
And it's doing stuff. It's setting stuff up. It's beautiful in and of its own right. It's a reference to some beautiful thing. I, like a lot of it is like, there are weird, you know, there are weird sentences that are like from a lot of people told me stuff in life and I thought it was beautiful what they said. And so it's in there, you know, I didn't come up with all of this. It's like, and so all of this, I I know where it came from. I know why I think it's beautiful. And I think, I still think it's beautiful. And it's just very strange to pass through it because a lot of certain things, like not a still image, but like a lot of pieces of art are you pass, like it's a process of passing through it. Like the two hour passing through of a movie, you know, the four minute passing through of a, a song or like the fucking nine hours of reading a novel. Like you pass, it's a time, it takes time to do it. Like a, I guess a painting you're supposed to, fucking look at a painting forever you're supposed to not just look at it the way we look at instagram pictures and then hit next immediately you're supposed to like a painting used to be i think paintings used to be the movies where you were supposed to look at a painting for an hour and keep finding shit which is like crazy you know but it's it's there if you if you do it like we, did we talk about that on the podcast the fucking art teacher exercise where they make you look at one painting for like six hours and then you know five hours in you you see something new and you're like you finally get it and it's like oh like how, how crazy is that but uh, anyway so that was a weird thing that I felt I don't know because on the one hand there are these sayings of like art is never finished it's just abandoned you know what I'm saying like they're the only the only thing finished just means that you stopped editing it, that you stopped working on it, that you just gave, like that you just said, whatever. It's not that you couldn't have kept working on it because you could have, but you choose not to. So so it's weird. Like the, the idea of a finished thing is is very, it's very unclear to me. But at the same time, yeah, at the same time, things are finished, you know? In reality, things just are finished. But um it 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 was interesting because I got to this other state of like the thing is finished, the book is written, and the book is good as it is. It's very entertaining, and then turning it into an audiobook raises this other question, uh, which is not I I don't know if it's a creative question. It's all, it's very like I mean it is a creative question, but it's the question of like so what's the best way to perform it? which is like separate from the original question of making. It's like a new form of making. So it, it just, I don't know. I've always been fascinated with this question of like, when Taylor Swift is on stage and she's singing one of her own songs, is she like fighting back the urge to change it? Because I mean, I will tell you that I never wrote anything where I could reread it and not, be fighting the urge to change it. Like, that's how I always experienced everything up until this moment where I just got to this one thing that I just felt like, that I felt pr pretty good about. And what I'm realizing is that there's like another mindset afterwards that's like, 
you're now, the, the thing is done. So now it's a question of, well, so what, in what ways can we perform the thing? Can we, you know, can we change the instrumentation of this existing thing and make it different? And the thing has been defined. Like the thing is all, everything's priced in about the thing, you know? And then is there something we can change in the performance in it that is now we express ourselves through the performance of it? And it's, um, yeah, I don't think I'm explaining it very well. Like, I don't think I'm actually telling anyone else what it feels like. I'm just saying that was surprising. It was very surprising to me that I didn't want to change it. And then everything I'm saying comes with this one caveat of how there was one part of the novel where I'm like, ugh, this part's filler, bro. Like, there's this one part about 30% of the way in where I'm like, ugh, I wish I... I it's And it's really like... So often when writing a big, big old novel, I realized that I would spend time, like stuff would be, some writing would just be like to try to segue between stuff. Like I would have an idea for a scene and I felt like it was, I felt real good about it. And then I had an idea for a different scene that really explained something and I felt really good about that. And then I'd have to do writing to like segue between the two. But what I realized at some point is like, you kind of don't have to. You can kind of just say, nah, my style is just, it's a series of scenes. But then like when you really develop them and they're good and they do a lot of things, like each sentence does a lot of things at the same time, you just get to this point where it's like, yeah, these are like flashbulb moments that very clearly connect. And it's like a very... In the end, it's not disjointed at all. In the end, it's like incredibly sequential without having segues. Segues, filler, nah. The, the key, when something feels shitty, when you don't know how to segue, just like remove the whole thing, you know? That's like something that took me a really long time to realize. All right. Anyway, let's talk about something completely different. And then I think I just have to give up on this because like I I'm not ready to do podcasting yet I'm I'm doing it on Fridays and Saturdays and it's like it's not good like I, I was at work all day I can't I can't do this but um here's something here's something fucking weird you know there's this question that I I that everyone has heard that I heard as a young child and I hate this question it's the question of what way what makes us different from the animals and I hate the question because what makes a human different from animals? I hate this question because it's a it's a Christian question. Like it's a broken, it's stupid because the answer is nothing. The answer is just like wordplay. Um, the answer is just like only Christians have this like incredibly like obsessive, like only if you think that you live in God's grace and you have to, everything about the Bible has to be true. Only then do you have this like really OCD, like panicked sense of having to decide that you're different from the animals. Or if you feel guilty about eating meat or like any scent, like any sort of enlightened, calm person will just be okay with, we're kind of the same as animals. But I remember being encountering this question when I was very young, right? And then thinking of an answer for myself 
that I felt fine, good enough with, and then realizing that I hated the question and then letting go of it. And then like pretty much like once a year in my whole life, and now I'm 37 years old, pretty much once a year, I just cannot let go of the question. And it's and it's not like a theological question and it's not a scientific question. It's just like a wordplay question where I feel like almost I need, it's like a banter it's like a banter inside of my own head type of question where like, I feel like if someone came at me right now and wanted like a fun answer for like, what's at this point in my life, it's like, I just, all I want is a fun answer for people. It's not that I need something that's makes any kind of point. I just, I'm, I'm, I, I hate this question because I, I think Christianity is such a boring way for the human brain to think. And then I feel I feel like I need to make that point. I think I need I need like a banter, uh, an answer that works in the format of banter, but it needs to make the point of being anti-Christianity. And so every year I sort of like once a year I disappear into this like death spiral of just not being able to stop thinking about it until I come up with a new answer. And so the answer I thought of this year was like, that humans are, the difference between man and animal, the thing that makes us special, the thing that, that you cannot say that this is true for any animal, but it is true for humans, is that we don't have self-wiping buttholes. Like all the animals, they just poop and they go, they go. But humans, we don't have self-wiping buttholes, you know? So now I'm done, you know, now I can keep going with my life. And, and then a year from now, they, I'll, I'll be stuck in this like death loop of um, death loop of thinking about that question again. And I'll have to come up with some new thing, some new kind of quippy banter, something I think is quippy banter that I could like just say to someone if they asked me and I, you know, and I need to sound smart or whatever. But for this year, for the next 12 months, if you ask me, What's the difference between man and animal? I'll be like, yeah, humans are the only, we're the only creature that doesn't have a self-wiping butthole. Yeah. And then when I thought of that, I put it into mid-journey, like the AI that creates an, um, images of any text prompt. And I tried to get it to give me an image of a self-wiping butthole. Um, and it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't because they don't like it to be too gross or too scary. It's really funny. Like it's really the 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 super super powerful AI stuff. They they don't like they're gonna destroy us all, but they don't want to show you anything shocking on the way. We're we're barreling down the highway towards like complete um, annihilation of all of humanity, but. But on the way, on the highway, they don't want to show us anything scary or anything that has to do with buttholes. And so when you try to ask for it, it gives you this error message where it's like, nah, that's, that's against our guidelines. And then the error message has this like second part to it where it's like, and look, don't try to be sneaky and trick the computer into, like, don't try to reword it in a way where, where you like get it, we use a synonym for butthole or you like 
try to say, you know, don't try to outsmart the computer to accidentally give you a picture of a self-wiping butthole because we will figure out that you were trying to find a loophole to get a picture of a self-wiping butthole and we will ban you. Like, don't try to be clever here. Just accept that these are the rules. The thing you're asking for is not allowed. Don't try to ask for it again. And that's the rules. And it there's a scary, there's actually a spookiness to that because it's like, look, we're going, we're going into the future. And if you don't, if you try to be, be fucking clever with shit here, if you're trying to be sneaky, you're not, you're not coming. You're not coming to the future. Then you have to stay here. Do you, would you like, do you want to, do you want to be stuck here? Is that what you want? You want to be stuck here in the past? You want to be, you want it to be 2023 forever and you never get to experience anything beyond this point? Is that what you want? Because that's what will happen to you if you don't just, just accept the rules as written and don't argue. Like, don't fucking argue with me. And so I don't, I don't have any pictures of a self-wiping butthole, but I did even, I mean, I do, I'm a little bit bad. I was bad. I was a little bit bad. So I did put in a prompt where I was like, all right, all right. I won't, I don't need a picture of a self-wiping butthole. Let's think about something else. Let's give me, imagine, give me a picture of a robot with a self-wiping cloaca. <laughs> and then I got some pictures of some robots. <laughs> so stupid. Okay. Anyway, I did that. I did that. I did a thing. <laughs> I did a thing. I did a thing is really chuggy. Ain't nothing more chuggy than saying that. I was going to say a thing on the podcast, but then I told Maddie already. So now I'm struggling with that thing of like um, repeating myself. I'm struggling with that thing of repeating myself. But so let me repeat myself and struggle through it. Here's the type of person I am. I'm the type of person that will break up with you, but I'll do it all nice. So we'll stay friends and you will let me stay on your streaming services. Um, when we were dating, you inputted your password and I got on your Netflix and then I broke your heart and then I was nice about it. So you didn't kick me off of your Netflix. So I'm on your Netflix and we're broken up. And now I watch the same shows as you, but I'm a season and a half ahead of you. So whenever you just want to hit continue watching, fucking suddenly everything is different and you're like wait why are they why are they divorced all of a sudden and then you realize that you're actually a season and a half ahead of yourself because i've been fucking your shit up like it's really like in modern in modernity this is this is a really shitty person that i am but anyway that's something that i already said to to maddie so it's like i can't actually getting i can't get into it because i can't repeat myself but i was thinking about it and i was thinking about how It'd be funny because I, I do want to get back on the dating apps. It's been like a year and I finished a couple of big things and I think I want to open up my schedule a little bit and just like sort of just sort of leave the house, maybe do a hike. Maybe I want to become a different person, you know? Maybe I want to completely start over. Once I just really put the nail in the coffin on the stupid novel that captured me for 15 years, maybe I want to like leave the house a little bit and 
and, you know, hang out with some Christmas thoughts. Um, and I was thinking of, it'd be, it'd be funny to have a couple of like, I don't know. I think the way to go now with dating apps is to, on your profile, describe yourself as shitty. I think that's where we're at. I think the way to describe yourself on a dating app is to be like, yeah, we're going to be dating and then I'm going to break up with you and then I'm going to still be on your Netflix and then I'm going to fuck your shit up and, and like put the wrong stuff in your, my list. I'm going to, you know, you're going to be on your Netflix two years from now and, and you're going to be a bunch of crypto shit is going to be <laughs> a bunch of cryptocurrency TV shows are going to be recommended to you on your streaming service that you're paying for because like, you know, just stuff that's like really off-putting. I think I want to put truly off-putting stuff on my dating app because that's that's where we are. God, we're so bad at manipulating each other. And you know who's going to be really good at manipulating us? That's the computer. I think that's... Uh, there are all these different Ezra, Ezra Klein episodes, the Ezra Klein podcast episodes about um, what the rules should be around AI. And <clears throat> that part of that, I think that's such an interesting idea um, that keeps getting brought up of one of the rules that we should probably have around AI is that it should be, the AI should not be allowed to try to learn how to manipulate humans without them noticing. Because if we make that the task that the AI is working on, the AI will very quickly become really good at it. And it's sort of already what Facebook and Instagram and the algorithms are doing, where like the, the, the goal was set up as like engagement. And then we never knew this ourselves, but like the algorithm quickly figured out that the best way to get engagement is actually these like weird, very surprising emotions off to the side that we weren't really considering. Like 1960s and 70s and 80s ad campaigns were almost never about making you feel angry. Like that was never the thing. Like no one had that idea that it's like, oh yeah, what about anger? What if anger is the most activating feeling to get you to come and do something and click on something and spend money or whatever? But it's like the algorithm, the big data could easily see that it's like, oh, we can fucking make a heat map of different emotions and, get, and color code them and, and everything can be color coded in an emotion. And the shit that's color coded to this thing that is in human language, we would call anger-inducing, that shit is fucking really powerful. So it's very interesting to think about if we don't make rules and we just let the AI do all the marketing and how we will probably then live in this weird world where we're surrounded by images and words and videos and just stuff that manipulates us way better than now and makes us feel these like, super surprised, like stuff that I can't even guess which emotion it is that will make me engage and spend my, like just totally other stuff. And then I won't even know that it's doing it because it'll like, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just tits, maybe it's just boobs. They, you know, we'll spend like all of our genius on making this super complicated computer and then make it do marketing and then all it does is just like cleavage 
And we're like, oh yeah, okay. Well, we did already think of that, and yeah, that's that's successful enough, I guess. You know, what's the cleavage of the future, though? I think sex sells is like the 1900s. Sex sells was the 1900s, and I think the 2000s, this this century, and the next century, it will be something else. Like, I, I don't know. I just think that there's like, other stuff in our brains that's, I don't know, that we get more confused about. Because, you know, distracting someone is very, um, having something just be distracting is, I don't know, this episode should probably end, huh? Yeah. If I had a sort of like assistant AI that was like my producer that listened to my episode, (laughs) that could like give me feedback as I'm going, and then it could like do hand motions like, yeah, wrap it up, bro. This is, you're not going anywhere. This episode is over. Like you clearly, you're, you're running on fumes here. Tank is empty. Just, and there's a red light blinking with a robot. It's like, bro, just, just end the episode. Just end the episode there. And just, you know, just don't keep going. It's fine. It's fine. Just don't worry about it. Just, just, just thank them for listening and play the music. We'll we'll just edit in the the goodbye music right here. Okay, yeah. So thank them for listening. Okay, yeah. Okay, so producers are telling me to wrap it up now. So yeah. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks everyone for listening. I love you guys. <laughs>